Thank you, choir. I also want to just thank you all for uh, praying with me this morning. Some of you were able to join, join us this morning as we just came together and just trusted the Lord to use this time together uh, for His glory and for our good. Now, uh, I want to ask you a question. Why do we, why do we repeat words and phrases and concepts and skills? Why do you use this tool of repetition? Think about it maybe in your own life, but for me, I have recently uh, finished up a, a Greek class in seminary, and I had to learn, you know, all these Greek words, and I had to learn you know, 20 or 30 Greek words every week, and they would quiz us on these words. And so how would I memorize these words? Well, you probably have done something similar. I would take the Greek word and I would write it on one side of of an index card. I would flip the index card over and I would write the English equivalent of that word. And I would just keep going through it over and over and over repetitiously until I was able to repeat it myself. And I I had it in my memory at least for a little while. And then I'd take the test and hopefully pass it. And so, you know, use repetition to, to learn languages. You learn uh, facts through repetition. You can also learn skills. You know, my son recently uh, started taking piano lessons. And the way you learn piano or other instruments is just through practice, repetition. Or skills, maybe soccer or basketball. You know, you train your muscles over and over by doing the same motions that this is how you kick the ball or shoot the basketball or throw the football or play the piano, you learn all these different languages and skills through repetition. And repetition works well to to learn skills, to acquire facts, but one thing repetition cannot guarantee is understanding. Just because you can repeat certain information doesn't mean you understand it. And just because you can reiterate something that someone else has said doesn't mean that you believe it or understand it. And in the passage we're going to look at today, We're going to look at a concept that John is going to repeat three times in this short letter. Now you may ask, what concept is so important that in a very short letter of just five short chapters would John want to repeat a concept three times? Well, the concept he's going to repeat is the concept of love. And before we get into the scripture, I want to define, I think, what John means when he says love, when he uses the word love. What does he mean by that? Because we use the word love all the time, and our culture uses the word love. And I want to give us a little definition of that, because we we throw the word around a lot. Uh, However, John is telling us that love is not just some philosophical idea that we attach to you know, fuzzy feelings that we have towards this or that. That's not what love is necessarily. And it's not necessarily a feeling either, even though feelings accompany love many times. Uh, Love is not being favorable towards someone because you like them or they like you, or it's not being favorable towards someone because of some benefit that you're going to gather from liking them or loving them. You know, love, love is not given the justice it deserves by being attached to simply infatuation. You know, infatuation is just 
attractiveness or feeling, you know, these warm, fuzzy feelings towards someone. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, that you love someone. And so the concept that John is going to use here, this concept of love that he's going to repeat three times, is this idea of giving yourself, it's giving yourself for the good of someone else. It's not giving yourself so that you get something in return necessarily, but it's giving yourself for the good of someone else. I believe that's what John's talking about when he uses the word love. And so this is the concept he's going to repeat. And with this concept in mind, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. And let's hear what God wants to tell us through this apostle. Now, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you that you can use. And starting in verse 7 in chapter 4 of 1 John, this is what John writes. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Now what John is saying to us in these verses is nothing new. He's saying that if you have a relationship with God, then you should be increasing, you have this capacity in you that's increasing and it's enabling you to actually love one another. It's actually enabling you to give of yourself for the good of other people. And that's not a new concept. He's already repeated it two other times in this, in this book. The difference is what John is tracing this love back to. Because over in 1 John chapter 2, he traces loving your brother back to walking in the light. In 1 John 2, verses 9 and 10, this is what he says. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. In chapter 3, he traces loving your brother back to your experience of passing out of death into spiritual life. And this is what he says in 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And so here he's telling us love is evidence of spiritual life. If you're seeing yourself growing in your love for other people, then that's a good indicator that you're connected to God. Love is the fruit of being planted in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's what happens. It's what begins to flow through you. And here in chapter 4, John traces love back to its origin. And he gives us the source of love. Look with me again at verses 7 and 8. This is what he says. He says, Beloved, let us love one another... For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
Now there are two phrases there that I want to highlight as we try to unpack what John is saying here about loving one another. The first one, the first phrase comes from verse 7. He says this, love is from God. Which means love is something that flows out of the person of God. Therefore, anytime you show love to one another, anytime you, you demonstrate love towards someone, you give of yourself towards someone for their benefit, anytime that happens, what, what is going on there is everybody around that sees that is getting a glimpse of what God's like. It's our apologetic for the existence of God. Love. And when it happens, it says God is real. And He's real in your life. Because love comes from God. He's the source. And so, John can say that if we are connected to God, then love, love will flow out of our lives to our fellow Christians. That's what he's saying here. So the first phrase is love is from God. The second phrase is love... Well, actually, the second phrase is in verse 8. He says, Anyone who does not love does not know God... And you all know this phrase. You may even have a magnet on your refrigerator or some type of encouragement card you might send out to someone, but God is love. And we probably have all heard that phrase before. Love flows from God because love characterizes the very nature of God. Everything God does is out of love. But notice that John didn't say that love is God. He didn't say love is God, he said God is love. You know, John is not taking us back to some philosophical idea that's just kind of floating around in the air out there. He's taking us back to a person. He's saying love is identified and defined by a person. And he's taking us back to the person of God. He's taking us all the way back to the origin of love and that it originates in the person of God. And so love does not dictate who God is, but rather God Himself dictates what love is. And so if you want to know what love is, you must look to God. Because God is love. So we see here that love is from God and God is love. And so I think we can say that God is both the origin and the source of love. And now I want to employ a metaphor that will help us, I think, grasp what John is saying here. I want, you to I want you to imagine a reservoir of unlimited, uh, with an unlimited supply of water. You know, every other year, uh, C and I would go to uh, Fort Collins, Colorado uh, for the National Staff Conference of Campus Crusade for Christ. And it's a beautiful town at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. And just outside of town, there's this large reservoir. It's called the Horse Tooth Reservoir. And it's situated in the hills there. And it's just a beautiful mountain lake or reservoir. Now, why would you build a reservoir? Well, the word reservoir is actually a French word that means storehouse. And so you build a reservoir to try to contain water, gather water, so that you can try to ensure that the people of a certain area or your crops or whatnot, they have access to this life-giving water. 
And you know, the practice of, of gathering water this way has gone on for thousands of years. Archaeologists have actually found reservoirs constructed by men as far back as 3000 B.C. And a Sri Lankan king is said to have said this quote. He said, Do not let a drop of water seep into the ocean without benefiting mankind. And so he would build all these reservoirs. In other words, as the rain comes down, maybe there's a river that's flowing. He wants to gather the water and before it makes its way to the ocean, he wants to try to benefit mankind with this water through watering crops, providing drinking water, etc. And so the idea of gathering water in a reservoir has been going on for thousands of years. And the reason men have gone out and, and tried to accomplish this gathering of water is because water is a valuable resource. We can't live without it. We need it. It's life-giving. Now I want you to imagine that we have this large supply of water. Now how do you get the water to the people? Because unless you can get the water to the people, the people that need it, doesn't really do much good. Well, one way we could do it is maybe uh, we could dig some type of river, like the, the Augusta Canal, for example. You know, you want to channel the water to the people who need it. And so we gather the water down to the people, we take it to the people. And now I want you to imagine that this reservoir never runs dry. It has an unlimited supply of water. No one would ever have to do without. The manner in which the water is flowing to the people is all sufficient. All you need to do is go to the river and drink the water. It's there for the taking. So we see there's a few barriers. First of all, you had to get the water to the people. And next, we have to get to the water ourselves and drink it. So... John tells us that God is both the origin and the source of love. And so I want you to think of it like this. God is a reservoir of unending love. So how does, how does God get His love, His life-giving love, to the people who need it? Well, John tells us in verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 he says, In this... The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And so we see, if God is the unending reservoir of water, then Christ is the river through which the love of God is brought near to us. Christ is the one who brings us what we need to have life. But now we need to have access to it. It's brought here. It's brought close enough for each of you to drink. But we need access to the water. John tells us how we, we gain access in verse 10. It says this. And this is love. If you want a definition of love, John's saying, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He had loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the water is there for the taking. So what's holding us back? Well, the answer is our sin is holding us back. You know, we, re we refuse to drink the water that God offers. You know, we're busy, we're busy drinking 
the water of the world. We try to satisfy the thirst of our souls through all these other different wells instead of going to the river of life, life who is Christ Himself. And so we keep drinking it in. Drinking it in. Thinking that it's going to satisfy when all the while God has provided this river of living water and it's available to us all. But we must choose to turn from the water of the world and turn to the living water of Christ. In other words, the water's there. God has demonstrated it. His love has been demonstrated. He's given His Son. His Son is the propitiation. He's given His life so that our sin can be forgiven. But we have to drink it. You know, we have to put down the glasses of water that's, that, that is filled with uh, water from these poisonous wells. And we must pick up a glass of water from the river of living water. And so John says, this is love. To love means to give yourself for the good of someone else. And that's exactly what Christ did. He gave Himself to not only provide the way of life, but also to give us a way to access that river. And that is through His death on the cross. And so you may say, well, Ron, I've placed my faith in Christ and I'm drinking of the living water. Well, a great way to see if you have life is to to look at Christ and say, okay, the way Christ demonstrates love is by giving of Himself for the good of those around Him, for the good of us. And so you can ask yourself the question, am I a loving person? Well, what does that mean? Well, do I give of myself for the good of others? Do I... Do I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? John's argument is that if we have been loved like this by Christ, then there should be some effect in our life. It should cause us to, to be different than we were. And so he says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. In other words, if if God is the reservoir of unending love and Christ is the river through whom this love is traveling down to us, then if we are drinking from this river, then we become tributaries of this love. Makes sense. We're tapped in to the source and therefore the love of God should be flowing through us to one another. And this should be our apologetic to the world that God is real. And that God is love. And although God is invisible, the way we visibly treat one another is a visible apologetic of the person of God. And how through Christ we have tasted His love. John goes on to say in verse 12 that no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. So I want you to imagine for a moment, okay, God is invisible. No one has ever seen Him. And so, let's imagine this reservoir of unlimited water is underneath the ground. You can't see it. But there's this underground stream that makes its way to the village. And you know where to go to get it. Just like many of you here in Augusta know where to go to to fill up some buckets of 
fresh spring water, you know, over there by the mall. <laughs> but you've got to know where it is, you know, to go fill up your, your gallons of water. So there's an underground reservoir. You can't see it. The river comes into town. No one knows where it is but you. And now I want you to imagine there are two men. One man is extremely hydrated, you know, has all the water he needs. And then you have one man who's dying of thirst. You can tell just by looking at him. His, lip, his lips are dry and cracked. Just to, just to look at him, he looks dry and thirsty. And so you have these two men in the village. Now, how can this man that has all the water he needs, his thirst is always satisfied, how can this man help this other man have his thirst satisfied? Well, two things need to happen. One, he needs to be able to tell the man that has the extreme thirst where to go to find the water. And then once the man gets there, he has to drink it. So you have to find the water, and then you have to drink of it. And what John is saying here is that if you have a relationship with God through Christ, then you can now visibly present the existence of God to someone by your love for them. Whether they be your fellow Christians or if they don't know Christ yet. Through the way you visibly treat them will help them to see the invisible God. He's saying that you can actually demonstrate your faith in Christ visibly by the way we love one another. Now, you and I, you and I both know that there are a lot of thirsty people in this city that are drinking from many poisonous wells. They're seeking to find life. They're seeking to find forgiveness. They're seeking to find their identity. In so many other places except for in Christ. And some of you may be thirsty. As well. The only way that we can have the thirst of our souls satisfied. Is by turning away from the water of the world. And by turning and drinking of the living water found solely in the person of Christ. And if we have truly tasted of this living water. If you've placed your faith in Christ, then, then let us allow the love of God to just flow through us like a mighty river to one another, to the people we meet in the store, to our neighbors, to the people we work with. This is how John is saying, God, you can, no one's ever seen God. He's invisible. But yet we make Him visible by the way we treat people. And he says, you can tell. You can tell if you know God, if you're connected to God. Do you love people? If the answer is yes, if you're, if you're noticing this growing capacity within yourself to love other people for their good and not just your own, then guess what? That is a visible representation of this internal connection to the love of God. You're connected to the reservoir of unending love. John's saying that God gave His Son for you. His Son gave His life for you. And the question is, will you give your life to Him? And if you have given your life to Him, will you now imitate Christ by giving of yourself for the good of those around you? 
God is the reservoir. He's where love originates and love flows from Him. And if we want to love like He loves, we must be connected to the source. And the only way to do that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful that not only does love originate in You, but it flows from You. We know it flows between the Father and the Son, and it has flowed that way for all eternity. All eternity. And now John says, Your love flows to us through the giving of Your Son. And if we have placed our faith in Christ, if we're connected to this reservoir of unending love, then it seems that our lives would begin to be characterized by the love that is in You. Lord, I pray that would be true of us. I pray if anyone does not know You, that they're drinking from other wells that lead to death, that they would drink of the living water that is found in Christ. And I pray for us that know You, that we would confess our sin, and that we would be tributaries of Your love to those around us, so that many others will taste and see that You are good. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.